Could dinosaurs swim? Why are their fossil remains many times found with their necks and heads arched back in a spectacular death pose? What about Archaeopteryx, the supposed feathered dinosaur? Well, find out more on this episode of Wonders Without Number. Welcome to Wonders Without Number. I'm David Reeves, and today we want to inform and inspire you regarding the wonders we find all around us. An infinite number of wonders that point us directly to our Creator, the God of the Bible. You are no accident. I want you to know that you're special, that you were created in God's own image, that Jesus Christ was and is that Creator, and that He has a plan for your life. What about the global flood in Noah's day? While evolutionary geologists readily admit thousands of regional floods, most deny a singular event that literally changed the face of the Earth. Was there really a global flood some 4,000 years ago? The discovery of dinosaurs in Australia provides evidence, and we have with us the creation guy, John Mackay, to tell us all about it. Now, John studied geology at the University of Queensland, and over the last 30 years he's been involved with field research all around the world. He's an international speaker, lecturing on the subject of origins, and he's no stranger to university campuses, where he's participated in many debates regarding the subject of creation and evolution. Mackay has even been interviewed by Richard Dawkins, one of the most outspoken atheists of our day. So join with me now as we meet my friend and very special guest from Down Under. Welcome to the program, John. G'day again, mate. Good to be back. <laughs> it's wonderful to have you back. Tell me just a little bit about your ministry and what you do. Okay, I run Creation Research uh, in Australia and creationresearchusa.org. I'm a member of that over here too. And uh, we do dinosaur digs, we do fossil digs, we run an outdoor creation museum and we end up in churches and schools being asked questions like, well, what is the evidence for creation? Yes. Or how do you deal with evolution? Well, that's, that's important and it often comes up and we need to have an answer because many times those in church pews they hear one story from their pastor, they hear another if they go to university or if they went to public school, and they don't really know what to believe. They say, well, surely the fellow teaching us in the universities is much more scientific than our pastor up in the pulpit. So shouldn't we believe him when it comes to science as opposed to our pastor? That is a common attitude out there, Dave, and it's a real serious problem that sadly many pastors ignore to their detriment. Because mm -hmm. I remember just recently a science teacher came to me and he said, I became an atheist mm -hmm. because our church brought in speakers who said, days don't mean days, mm -hmm. and Noah's flood is just a moral story. And I thought to myself with my scientific brain, if I can't even trust a little word like day, mm -hmm. then I can't trust a little word like God. So I became an atheist. Wow. So that's the importance of this issue. So it's very relevant, very important. And what we're talking about is you can flip to the very first verse. It tells us in the beginning, God created. So if you can't believe the very first verse of the Bible, if you can't believe that God is the creator, that he created with purpose, it wasn't just this random chance origins of mere atoms over the course of billions of years, then why should we believe 
the gospel. I mean, the whole scriptures comes into question if you challenge the very first chapter of the Bible. You're right. And to give you the rest of the story, the reason that science teacher came to see me was he now become a Christian. Really? And he wanted to tell it was because of the creation research that had been done, and he wasn't even aware of it when he was a student. Wow. So this matters. So you keep up your good work. <laughs> Pray for us as we keep up our good work. And let me ask you one question, yes. since you need to have an answer. What is it? <coughs> it's a tooth. It's a tooth, correct. <laughs> Um, from what dinosaur? From what dinosaur? I don't know. Could it be like a, a raptor or something? Like, what is this? It's a Mosasaurus. Really? Yes. So very famous, very sharp, and you're quite right. In the water with that, if it was still alive, yes. you wouldn't stand much of a chance because this guy <laughs> could be very big indeed. And what's interesting is it illustrates one thing. We say Mosasaurus, you say Mosasaurus. Most of us haven't got a Mosasaurus about what it means, right? <laughs> we really don't know. That's right. But the, the interesting thing about geology is that it's actually organized common sense. So the first guys were largely six-day Noah's flood creationists. They were out there to name things because God told Adam to name things. Right. And so if you found these bones and teeth by the river Mose and it looked like a big reptile, you called it a Mosa. Saurus, right? Yeah. And that's how it worked. I know one geologist who found a dinosaur and he named it after his wife. <laughs> and his wife's name was Ava and he called it Avasaurus. And it was the ugliest looking thing you've ever seen. So I'm not sure <laughs> she would have been too happy about that. But it's just common sense. No, not, not you don't need to hide behind all this academic stuff. So right. the ordinary person out there is scared about this subject because they think, I don't know enough. Yes, God's given you a brain, He's given you eyes, you've got common sense, use it to His glory. And you can understand yeah, these things. That's right. That's great. That's exactly right. Okay, so summarize a little bit about what we're going to talk about and we'll jump right <clears> in. <throat> okay, we're going to take you back to Australia to have a look. I've just got off the plane from there. Yeah. Take you back to Australia, have a look at Jurassic Ark, okay. uh, which is our outdoor fossil museum, gotcha. and dinosaurs feature. I mean, there's Triceratops. Yeah. Tri, Latin three, Sarah, Latin horn, tops. The horns are on the tops, not the bottoms. <laughs> See how sensible it is? Makes sense. And there's Dr. Diane Eager, who used to be a medical biology lecturer at Canberra University, now works full-time for creation research. So there are academics who do believe God's word is true, wow. no matter how many times Richard Dawkins tells you the opposite. And you mentioned Dawkins before, yeah. so let me tell people yeah. they can actually go and Google Mackay versus Dawkins or Dawkins versus Mackay, depending on who you think is more important, <laughs> and, and they'll get a real good look at how atheism is exactly what God says it is, the, the habitat of fools. Yes. It's sad he's a very intelligent man, but he's not very wise. That's, That's right. the difference. Well, uh, the wisdom of this world is yeah, foolishness. It really God. is. So the wisdom of God tells you that in the beginning God created, then man sinned, and sin, the thing went downhill. The old theologians invented the word fall, and it's a very good description of the direction the world has gone to. Okay. And you've mentioned Noah's flood many times on this program. Sure. And I've actually, I'll tell you what, I've learned over the years to actually take God's word really seriously. And, and I'll tell you, I get debates. I had one professor of physics say, would you debate me? And this is in England in one of the universities. I said, sure, what do we want to debate? Mm -hmm. And he said, uh, the Genesis is not literal. Okay. And I said, you really want to debate me that Genesis <laughs> isn't literal? And you're a professor of physics? Mm -hmm. And I thought, you are setting yourself up for a fall. Yes. So we studied things like Noah's flood. Okay. <clears throat> 
There we have the description in Genesis chapter 7, mm -hmm. verses 10 to 13. In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, on the 17th day of the month. <clears throat> yes. Now that's all we needed to do for that debate because have you noticed something, David? You've read fairy stories, haven't you? Mm -hmm. Little Golden Books, Snow White mm -hmm. and the Seven Dwarfs. Have you noticed one thing? How old was Snow White? Or don't you know? Don't know. How tall were the Seven Dwarfs? We don't know. There's no, no details. There's no detail. It's the detail in the Bible. Like, this is not a fairy story. Fairy stories start once upon a time. Right. And the Bible says in the 600th year, in the second mm. month, on the 17th day of the month. And as I challenged that professor, and again, he lost that debate big time because the chairman of the debate did something I've never seen before. He asked the students to put up their hands. Anybody who'd been convinced by evolution, who was started out as a creation, put your hand up. Not a hand went up. Okay. Then he said, any evolutionist who's been convinced by creation, <laughs> put your hand up. Up they went. I <laughs> thought, thank you, Lord, that's wow. great. And I'll tell you what, when you look at your Bible, keep reading Genesis 7 through to 9, and it finishes in the 601st year, in the second month, on the 27th day of the month. Okay. So we know exactly how long the flood was. The details are there. You read a number of months. You know how long the year was. They were real years. Noah was really 600 years old, and he had days that were roughly 30 days in a yeah. month. Yeah. And so this is real stuff. Okay, so <coughs> if we were to grab an encyclopedia off the shelf right now, mm -hmm. and we were to t flip it open to any point, we would see a lot of detail, dates, details, right. event, and it matches the historical accounts that you we read it on in Genesis. The head. And that's what this program's all about, isn't right. it? Right. And that's why we dig up these rocks and fossils <laughs> and, and logs. I mean, here's what we first found at Jurassic Ark, and we excavated log after log with no roots, no branches. They were smashed trees. And when people said, what is it? I said, well, compare it. Here's a present day log jam. Uh -huh. There'd been a big landslide up there. The log trees had fallen in, rolled around, stripped off their branches and roots. Here they are floating. And by the time they got down to the beach, way down, and this is in, in British Columbia, okay. I photographed them. Notice how they've rolled over and over against one another yes. and their ends have been rounded. Yes. Okay, here's our fossil log jam. Notice the ends of the logs are rolled over and rounded sure and rounded. Are. There's no doubt about it. Every geologist who's been there says this is a flood deposit, but they don't want to do the next step. How big is this flood? Right. So we run bus trips here and we've taken people from the coast of Australia where this is. You know that big rock in the centre of Australia? <laughs> this goes nearly out to that, that centre of Australia. Yes, it's an unbelievable flood deposit. And this, a long ways from Australia, was found right here in Tennessee. And yeah, I recognise <laughs> those. And in fact, you know what's interesting, David? Mm -hmm. Those plants still exist, except they're thinner than your fingernail. That's exactly right. Like the club mosses That's of right. modern day. That's but exactly these right. huge lycopods, there's examples of these things petrified, yeah. turned to stone right. all over. Yep. So this flood was not just right. local, it was not just all of That's Australia, right. it was global. And these trees and that tree there tell you that things haven't evolved, they've degenerated. That's a good That's point. point. Okay. Good point. Take you to Germany, the original Jurassic deposits, Jura Mountains. Okay. I don't like just reading, it's much better to go and check. So here we are in the most famous uh, quarry in the world at Solnhofen, which is where they found this. This is uh -huh. a diagram of the original Archaeopteryx okay. when they first began to reconstruct it, put the feathers on, etc. I've actually had the privilege of seeing the originals. You're listening to Wonders Without Number with David Reeves. 
Subscribe to our Genesis Plus package online to get instant access to the video format of this message and hundreds of others right on your computer or mobile device. If you are encouraged by this message and would like to be a part of sharing this information with millions across the globe, we would love to hear from you. Give us a call at 931-212-7990 or write us at David Reeves Ministries, Post Office Box 2824, Lewisburg, Tennessee, 37091. Visit our website, davidreeves.com today. That's davidreves.com. And now, back to Wonders Without Number with David Reeves. And digging up in the Jura rocks, Jurassic, the original Jurassic. Uh-huh. Do you recognize that? Oh, wow. It's a herring. <laughs> now, Dave, things with feathers tend to fly around in the sky. Sky. And fishes like herrings tend to live in the, the sea. The sea, yeah. right. So here they are all buried together. Okay. And then when you extend this deposit out, you find by the time you get up into Bavaria, you find reptiles. Okay. You know, you're the dinosaur bunch. Yes. And their heads are up, their tails are bent over. And this is a common phenomena that's mostly been ignored wow. by professors, by textbooks, by teachers, etc. Okay, so I see where you're going. If you find fish in the sea, mm-hmm. and you find these things Land with the fish, creatures, yep. what and is that birds. telling us? That's right. That's something catastrophic has dumped them all together, yes. which brings me back to Australia. Okay. Because here we are in outback central Queensland. I live just over there. Okay. That's my house with the red roof. Uh, that one just there. <laughs> I can see it. And yeah. uh, here's one of the latest dinosaurs. You can see his head there, mm-hmm. and you can see where his eyeball used to be, yeah. and he's unbelievably well preserved. Wow. In fact, his skin is still on. Uh, we know what he looked like on the outside. This, the this is his skin That's right his here. skin. And oh. when you flip him over, his guts are inside and there's still food in the guts. <laughs> so number one, he didn't lie there for a thousand years waiting to be slowly buried. Good point. He was buried before the enzymes could digest all that food. I mean, we bury you, come back in a couple of weeks' time, what was in your stomach will be mush, Mm -hmm. right? So this guy was buried quickly and he was buried whole beyond a shadow of a doubt. So buried, so well preserved, we know exactly what he was. A land-dwelling Ankylosaurus. Okay. Okay, now keep that in mind, land-dwelling. Okay. Here's an American textbook for kids. Mm -hmm. You notice it's all about how you make fossils? And they picked the kid's favorite. I always get sentimental about this part. Dinosaur, right? Uh-huh. Here we have the dinosaur. There he has being buried. Okay. Here he is, totally buried, turning to a fossil. Here he is exposed, and you find him. Find him again. Okay. Now, most people miss that most important part. Okay. You realize, Dave, one of the ways to teach a nation to disobey God is to not allow them to ask the right questions. Mm-hmm. So, most people read this and they are so brainwashed with millions of years, slow fossil formation, the theory of evolution. They never notice the animal dies, sinks, sinks to the bottom of the sea, it's covered by sediment. Okay. Question, what is a 20-ton, 60-foot-long, land-dwelling Apatosaurus doing upside down, out at sea, sink to the bottom? <laughs> you realize if you don't ask the right questions, yep. you never get the right answers? Okay. It's as simple as that. This guy's called Mutaburrosaurus. Okay. He's found near the little town of Mutaburra. You could have guessed oh, that, couldn't okay, you? Yeah. Nothing technical at all. But you see, I knew the one thing they don't tell you in the museum, because I had to study the rocks he was found in. Mm-hmm. He was found in a bed of seashells. 
Okay. This skeleton was most likely a carcass that had floated out to sea from nearby land before sinking and fossilizing. Uh -huh. Okay, question, David. Yeah. You're 60 foot long, <laughs> 20 foot long, 30 foot long, and you live on the land. How deep's the water got to be to get you out to sea? <laughs> it's gonna, you know, when I walk out on the seashore, it's pretty gentle a lot of times. Yeah, that's right. Why would I be swimming way, yeah. way, way out Or there? how deep is the water on the land in a flood to wash you out to sea? That's right. But you don't get the chance to ask those questions. Uh-huh. Go back further down south. Okay. Where, it's not about a thousand kilometers further down. Okay. Again, there's my house there's over there. Roof, that's right, yeah. that's right. Now, this is a specimen in my collection, mm -hmm. and it's from our opal bearing areas. Hmm. And just so that you believe me, I bought some of the little specimens in. Oh, wow. This is them polished. Beautiful. Isn't that beautiful? Look at that. Really is, yeah. And oh. in fact, that's, do you recognize that sort of a shell, David? Uh, well, I mean, I, I see some similar things on the seashore today. Good, good, it's a seashell. Here's yes. another one. Uh-huh. That's a mussel shell. Okay. And that's a clam shell. Okay. And you notice they're not only beautifully opalized, but they're they're fossilized, they're, they're closed. fossilized and they're closed. Okay. As are all of these. Okay. Now that's not the only reason I've got it. Okay. We'll come back to that in a little while. Sure. The reason I've got it is this. Oh look at that. You see the starfish? Yeah. Now in where we are at the moment in the middle of Tennessee, starfishes are not commonly seen around, right? <laughs> no, I don't but see them. If you go to Florida or whatever, you can see the starfishes mm -hmm. and you get to know very quickly if they die, they go uh -huh. right, stiff as a board uh -huh. and then they break up. This guy was buried climbing. A, uh -huh. the rocks formed really quickly. Mm -hmm. B, he was buried alive. C, the rock formed so quickly, he didn't even have time to let go. That's true. Right, so all of the above can be deduced from that specimen. Okay. But that's not the only reason I've got this. You see, when you look at those close up, this mm. is not only a clamshell, so things have produced their own kind, it's shut. It was buried alive. Okay. Because when they die, they open up. That's right. Important. So if you, if you go to a seashore today, you're walking across the seashore, you're not gonna find all of these closed Clams no, they're like lying this. on the surface open. It's half of a bivalve mm. or something That's lying right. open on the surface. That's, right. That's exactly So right. for them to be preserved in the closed position, that means that they were covered over with tremendous force and sediment quickly and then turned to stone. In fact, we know how quickly and how deeply because these guys get covered every tide. Okay. And they know how to dig their way out. Okay. And what we've discovered is they only have enough air to actually dig themselves out three feet, six feet, nine feet, three inches. So you've got to really? bury them that deep or you won't get them fossilized at all. You said nine feet? Nine feet, that's the deepest burrow I've seen because we've watched them dig little holes, right, to get out from under the mud. So you actually have to form the rock layers quickly too, not wow. just bury them quickly, Deeply is the other. And so if you want to become We're a fossil, not. bury quickly, bury deeply, right? That's how you have to do it. Nine feet of mud and sediment. For that these does little not sound like a little localized small no. event. No, that sounds like isn't. a catastrophe that changed the globe. That's right. In fact, that's why I have this picture okay. up here. Any ideas what it might be? I don't know what that well, is. I'd heard about it. I can't boast that I found this, but I did make sure I got a copy. Mm -hmm. Okay, get closer up. Look familiar? Give up, I, I gave I can't, up. I can't tell, I can't tell. <laughs> Every expert who's looked at it, okay. and I got the, the official report, these are the toe prints of a dinosaur swimming, trying to desperately reach the bottom. Really? Now this comes from the opal fields, where those clamshells and starfish are. Wow. Clamshells live in there? I see. 
Starfish live in there. <laughs> Dinosaurs live on there. <laughs> they live on the That's ground. Right. That's, That's right. That's exactly right. So again, you have evidence of mixed animals, plants, birds, fishes, all swapped in together. And in fact, it's led to this. I'm really pleased that by November 2011, somebody mm -hmm. got brave enough officially to answer a question that we've known existed for ages, but most people weren't brave enough to ask. Okay. Notice the big dinosaur in the background. Mm -hmm. Notice the... Uh, publication new scientist mm -hmm. fairly prestigious quote many dinosaurs are found with head and neck bent backwards and tail arched over their back fact i've been to all over the globe many dinosaur fields that is a fact wow hmm how do you get to be like that well there's the answer drown them hmm now, of course, you can't take a real dinosaur and drown them because we've run out of dinosaurs. Yeah. But I won't go into the gory details of how they actually did find this out. <laughs> but it, it's true of human beings. The last thing you do when you are drowning is go, ah, mm -hmm. right? And we've noticed it's true for so many creatures. But the one thing this paper did not pursue, I don't know if you've seen a drowned person, David, but I have. It's tragic. Mm -hmm. But what you notice is after they've taken their last breath, not long after their body relaxes. But when they're taking their last breath, their whole body is in tension. Uh -huh. right? And it's true for animals too, but it doesn't last very long. Okay. So not only can you prove that guy drowned, you prove he drowned and got buried before his body relaxed. That's right. Quickly. Ah. Mm. Which means when you travel around the world like I do, drowned, drowned, drowned. Oh, Canada, Bavaria, Nigeria. Mm-hmm. In fact, I get to travel much of the globe, and I've got to be honest, this is what I can report. It happens to be true all over the planet. You find dinosaurs, and remember my question? Yeah. How do you end up with a 60-foot-long, land-dwelling, 20-ton apatosaurus upside mm -hmm. down out to sea? Sinks in the bottom of the sea? It's yeah. drowning. Yes. And it's drowning quickly, and it's drowning in a flood that basically went from one end of the globe to the other. You see, now you know. And now it makes perfect sense. It does. When you ask the right questions. When you ask the right questions. Okay. Yeah. In fact, we've got a great book on the flood and a great DVD, haven't we? The book, very impressive. This is from a friend of ours, Vance Nelson, mm -hmm. Flood Fossils, Untold Secrets of Planet Earth. And you can actually see some of the research that he's done, a lot of these photographs and the information that we've seen today, including some of the layers. I love yeah, this. That's great stuff. And this is one that you produced. Yes, we produced that one and we sell Vance's book uh, both here in the USA. A professor in Australia, a professor of geomorphology, mm -hmm. uh, became a Christian in an interesting way. He was working off the southeast coast of China and he found the evidence of a bigger flood than he'd ever seen before. Okay. But he didn't know what flood it was. Okay. Right? And bottom line is that once he would got to know about Genesis, mm -hmm. the bottom line was, that's the flood. Huh. Now, what was interesting is after that, he couldn't believe it, the rejection he started to get. Oh, yeah. So when he became a Christian, we said, well, would you be willing to tell us what was it about this evidence that convinced you a worldwide flood was real? Because he began to tell his students, there is a worldwide flood. Yep. The evidence is real. He became a Christian because the Bible is a book by a God who doesn't want you to believe something because you need to make it true. He wants you to believe it because it happens to be true. And Noah's flood is about God hating sin and judging, and the rest of the Bible is about God loving sinners and sending Jesus to save them. Absolutely. You know, we have an adversary who wants us to question our Creator. Just as in the Garden of Eden, he continues to persuade mankind to reject the words of God and to depend on their own intellect. Now, in the past, that resulted in failure. Sin entered into the world, separating us from our God and ultimately resulting in death. But that's why Jesus laid down his life on the cross to make a way. On the cross, he paid the death penalty for our sins, and he offers us the gift of salvation and eternal life. 
The Bible tells us that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But you can ask Him to forgive you of your sins and He will do just that. He's not willing that any should perish and He's offering you the free gift of eternal life. I'm David Reeves and until our next time on Wonders Without Number, keep looking up. Truly, the heavens declare the glory of God. Hello, I'm David Reeves, host of the television show Creation in the 21st Century on TVN and author of the book Wonders Without Number. When we look at science from a biblical perspective, remarkable things are revealed. Belief in the historical account of creation as found in the book of Genesis reveals much about the meaning of life and gives reason for our existence. Where did all the matter in the universe come from? In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Visit our website and sign up for our email updates to receive links to free videos dealing with science, astronomy, creation, and the Bible. Give us a call to find out more about David Reeves Ministries or to order additional copies of this DVD and our other great resources. Like us on Facebook and drop us a line on how this program has impacted your life. I'm David Reeves. Truly, the heavens declare the glory of God.